0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Rangers Corner. My name's Stevie Clifford and this is a European special. And with it being a special, I've called on two of heart and hand's finest. Join us first of all, Mr Adam Thornton.
2: Hello Stevie, how you doing?
0: Very well mate, very excited. And also joining us, none other than regular
1: guest, Mr Cameron Bale. Uh, good, uh, good evening Stephen, good evening Adam. Um, we are recording this... Uh, minus eight days to Seville and um, yeah I don't know how much sleep I'm really going to get between now and kick off next Wednesday.
0: No better place to start gentlemen than just to ask you Adam come to you first how excited are you right now?
2: Oh I'm not sure what time this podcast is going out Um, so I might not tell you exactly how excited I am but yes I am On the precipice, this week is going so slow, we're recording this on Tuesday night and it literally feels like it has lasted for about 10 days already, 6 days until I um, depart for Barcelona um, as my first stop and I am absolutely buzzing. I feel like this whole 5 days since Leipzig has just been one big dream really, (laughs) everybody's just been absolutely over the moon uh, and fingers crossed it continues for at the very least another 10 days.
0: And Cammie,
1: how are you feeling at this
0: moment in time?
1: Um, Yeah, I think Adam's right. I've kind of just, it's like as if I've just been on some sort of other conscious level since uh, the game finished last Thursday. And it's just now, everything is rotating around, obviously, when people are, are going to leave. For me, I'm away next Tuesday. Um, and I'm just kind of starting to kind of, i am even thinking to myself about packing in. Th- actually, I think if I just take my passport and a bank card, I just think that that would be enough for me right now. Uh, so I've not even thought about packing or clothes or, any, or how I'm getting to the airport. I don't care. All I'm just thinking about is a game. And I dare say most people will be in exactly the same bracket. It is, it's is—it's a weird feeling to have as an adult, if that makes sense. Like sometimes you can think of as when you're getting close to Christmas and all that, when you're an eight-year-old, but this is dreamland. It really, really is.
0: Yeah, it's a very exciting and surreal thing to have to look forward to. I remember when we were looking forward to Manchester. Um, obviously the, the league was still very much ongoing, and it was so much going on. You you didn't really have time, like I feel we do this time. It's you know even though there's league games, they don't mean. As much as they did then, um, and we're all just excited and looking forward to it. And because this is a European special, gents, we're going to journey back and we'll have a wee look at the the group stages and and the qualifying rounds. Not in great, um, not in great detail, but just a, a kind of skimming over as we look back. And this journey started away back, obviously, with Malmo in the Champions League, which we exited out, and then it came Alice Kurt, Adam, Alice Kurt. Home in a wasn't exactly the start of what we might have thought would have been this incredible journey I think that's fair to say
2: yeah I think it is um <clears throat> that Alice Kirk game where uh, Lundstrom gets sent off um was very very um far removed from where we are now both um Rangers and and Lundstrom himself it, it it kind of felt um uh, there was a lot of apathy, which is weird considering how, how high we'd been a few months before. But going out, of, uh, going out in the Champions League in Malmo, I think, was a really big blow for, for everyone um, at the club. And then it just felt like, oh, Alice Kurt, let's try and get through this. And then it's the Europa League group stages again. Uh, and everyone was kind of a wee bit like, oh, again. Um, those two games, an absolute non-event. That one that we've seen uh, away would get football stopped, to be honest. I thought... Um, we were really, really poor. Obviously, it was quite warm over there in terms of temperature, etc., but it it wasn't the most um, exciting of two games, I think we'll say, Stevie, but ultimately we got through them and it put us on the path to to where we are now.
0: Of course, a wee bit of context with regards to exactly what was going on at that time. Most people remember we had a a bit of an outbreak of COVID, um, and obviously Robbie McCrory and Things like that were in goal. Um and there was a wee, I don't think Tav played in that away game, so obviously we know how important that is. But Cammie, we did manage to get in, um, and very much similarities in terms of the the Manchester run that it, it didn't start you know obviously the Champions League for Manchester, but in terms of the obvious thing, and it is an obvious thing for us, is nobody at that point was ever thinking about what we were about to do. And that's obviously, Cami, like, for us, it's it's, it's different because we're not we're not a Barcelona, Real Madrid or whatever who might think or expect latter European stages. So I'm not going to ask you the obvious question in terms of, you know, at that point, because none of us probably sitting there would have thought we were about to do what we are currently doing at this moment. But in terms of group qualification, what were your overall hopes and desires for it ahead?
1: I think just to, I think it was difficult because obviously we made quite a poor start domestically. So my hope was we were going to do what we had done previously, which was try and use Europe and performances in that stage as a as 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 a little bit of a kind of booster, if you want to call it that. And listen, I think that it felt like the universe collapsed when we got put out against a ten man Malmö team, which somewhat ironically, I think if we played them now. We would wipe the floor with them, but, but you know it's it's what happens. And we've said a lot on the on the you know last three four years that we are an established European team. Now, no one wants to come to Ibrox. No one wants to be able to to play against this or get us out the draw or, or be able to try and do that unless you're fundamentally a superpower. So we can hold our own with the best of them. Um, I, I think Adam's right. I think what we kind of said was working at that point, and it's not about. I suppose the best way I can put it is we kind of expect to compete in Europe now, so therefore getting into the groups, being able to perform well in the groups, dare I say it, is kind of becoming an expectation now, whereas obviously that's built on the confidence that we've we've gained over the last number of years and how we've been able to try and put some very major European scalps in the table. So I think for me it was just really a case of let's go into the groups, let's try and get that, but use it as an opportunity to say let's get the team you know working better on a domestic form and, and trying and see if we can reinstill some of the hunger that got us 55 um Europe was an opportunity to be able to try and do that and get a bit of stability in there as well so it was all about recovery especially after Malmo because I, I know everyone was gutted after Malmo everyone listening to this we're talking about just now um was aiming towards us being able to try and get into the Champions League because then at the time where we we're thinking about, oh, it's double bubble, we could get into the Champions League this season, win the league, and we're in it again next season. But obviously, things did not go down that route as expected. So
0: Adam, the draw gives us Leon, Sparta Prague and Bromby. It doesn't start well. 2-0 at home to Leon, Sparta Prague away, we could beat 1-0, Glenn Kamara, double yellow card, off he goes. And we're facing, almost even in, in group stage three, with a double header with Bromby, we're, we're needing... Minimum four points out of six, which we do manage to get. It's all fairly uninspired. Um, There's a flatness surrounding it. Cam used a good word there in in terms of expectancy. I think that the the thrill and the buzz had had somewhat gone from the, the group stages. It was no longer an excitement to be there. More in terms of we're all expecting to get out of it. So do you think that's fair? in terms of do you think that's a a fair kind of reflection on where we were at that point
2: yeah definitely i think it's expectations um we expect to win um we're realistic about it i think the first season or two getting out of the group stages um or even getting into the group stages sorry was was a huge achievement but then once you've done it we don't want to just do the same thing again we want to we want to improve and we want to keep going um and i think that Losing to Malmo as well as it being that big blow that we mentioned, but going into Europa and and just doing the same thing again. I don't think many people thought um, that we would necessarily get to even the quarters um, this year, Um, and certainly not after those first two games like you said. So I think there was a bit of an apathy uh, around it. It obviously didn't help with uh, the manager leaving halfway through or two-thirds of the way through um, the campaign as well. I think that sort of added to it. But those first... Those first two games we were not good at all. Leon gave us a a, a chasing, um, and Sparta I thought we were way off it, um, really quite poor uh, in that game as well. And and it looked like we were down and out. I'm not sure of the, I'm not sure of the stats on it, but I don't think many teams have have lost their, their first two games and and qualified um, through the, the group stages. So it looked a little bit lost, um, in that sense. The Bronby game, I think we've all seen over this, whatever it is, 65, 65 games um, in the last four years in Europe, I think we've all seen that 2-0 Bronby game a handful of times where um, we get... It's a it's a good win, um, a good solid win against an opposition. So that that was good to get us back on track. Bronby away, I was there with, with David, um, and Hadji pulled it out, as far as I'm concerned. I, I I thought we were heading for a defeat in that game. I know it was pretty early in the second half but I didn't think we were very good at all in the first half um, and he managed to pull it out and it ended up being a, a very very valuable point for us so there's maybe a glimmer of hope there but but obviously as we said only a, a few days later the manager leaves which probably puts or we thought would put our, our qualification chances in even bigger jeopardy.
0: Yeah and that's it and Kami, Sparta Prague I suppose is is a high point in the group, it's Gio's first outing as, a, as Rangers manager, it comes a couple of days after Semi final defeat um, to Hibernian. Everything's all a bit up in the air, but it's. Ibrooks is, is full. Rangers record a good 2 0 victory. Um, great first goal, especially. Tavernier has passed through and, and Hadji kind of slides it over for Morelos to tuck away. Really nice goal. The second one, a, a bit of a calamity in terms of defender actually crosses it in beautifully for him to head home. But that needed to be a 2 0 win. Towards the end of the game there was a magnificent double Alan McGregor save. Um worth highlighting because 2-0 obviously puts us in an unassailable position. We we're through in the group. Um but in terms of massive, massive point in, in the
1: journey as it is, that night was huge for us. Yeah, and I think that that was the point I was making earlier that you kinda want to run within a tandem of, you know, within Europe we could start to use that as a as an opportunity, I won't say a, an excuse, an opportunity to bounce back after what was an abysmal performance in the in the League Cup semi-final. Um, and so within that, we could start to instil a bit of belief. And I think that, that that showed a great resilience within the squad because it, it's incredibly difficult for a manager to come in. Biggest job he's ever had. We've just been papped out of the League Cup. People are not happy. There is a there is a heartbreak over Gerard Leaving and a resentment and an anger and everything else on the back of that. So he's really got to be able to try and come in, come in with the staff that he had, obviously he expanded upon that coaching team as well. And that game, as you rightly said, Stevie, came around very quickly. And it's on a knife edge in terms of what we can do with regards to qualification, because as you boys have just talked about, it was a poor start and we could have done a bit better. Uh, totally agree with Adam there in terms of, of what we were able to achieve with the point against Bronby. and so now this is our opportunity at home against a team that I think it's fair to say there was a little bit of needle with um, in terms of what obviously happened across in the Czech Republic. Uh, so it was back to a full full and for us to be able to, to, to go and provide a, a solid performance which I think we absolutely did and I'm glad you mentioned the point about McGregor. I know obviously having played a lot of football with you. You're definitely part of the goalkeepers union, Um, but it was, it was tremendous, absolutely tremendous. And I think that for a player who's not had as good a season as he would have liked, we will hopefully look back on what is going to be a tremendous season, all fingers crossed and all the rest of it. And we will look at some key saves that Alan McGregor's made because he's very much made a big contribution in the back of that. But yeah, and it, and it Kind of feels a little bit bittersweet now that we're obviously talking about Alfredo Morelos scoring goals and stuff. And by Christ, I would just. It breaks my heart he won't get to play in that final. It really does. But his contribution, even in the build up to this, has been, I mean, invaluable. Absolutely invaluable.
0: Yeah, and we finished the group stage with um 1 1 draw out in Lyon, which. I suppose for us at the time was a, a good confidence builder in terms of what we were doing with, with Giovanni just starting and coming in. It was a very much change ranger side. Scott Wright's deflected effort um, would get us a 1-1 draw, but it was a very competent performance, especially um, defensively, All albeit they weren't exactly going hell for leather, but it rounded off what was a... It wasn't a, a polished group performance which we'd seen in previous years, but all considered, it was really good to get out of the group and, and straight up, Borussia Dortmund gets drawn just a couple of weeks before Christmas. I'm not sure anybody outside of, of Rangers really would have would have fancied our chances But what was about to happen, you know, a six four victory on aggregate. We've obviously covered this Cammy in great detail, so we'll not go dip back into it in terms of in in terms of having to cover it methodically, but Adam and Cammy, I'll put this both to you. Maybe start with, with Cammy because of what I've said but that overall double leg, we've beaten them away 4-2, we've then drew with them at home 2-2, but all considered really unlucky not to win at Ibrooks with a magnificent second half. That, for me, was the first big sign of Rangers under Giovanni van Bronckers tactically, but it was a massive scalp. Favourites go to Germany, beat them 4-2, do so well at home as well. Cami, first up, sum up, where that ranks with you in terms of I know that we've kicked on and went further so it might it might kinda of go out of people's mind, but in terms of actual European sculpts, that's up we're up there with the biggest that I've seen in my
1: lifetime. Yeah, probably exactly the same. Um I think it's one of Rangers' greatest European away performances, probably outside of the 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 the, the Cup winners' cup final in seventy two. Um it was it was magnificent, and I mean, you said there, Stevie. You know, most people outside the Rangers wouldn't have given us a chance when the draw was made. I didn't give us a chance, and I'm fairly sure I don't remember speaking to loads of people at any point in, in the build up to after the after the draw had been made, and the you know that horrible couple of months hiatus until um, the Europa League is kicks off again, and we were, we we're able to get back into to providing a bit of focus to it. That when we get Dortmund out the hat, it was uh, oh well, that's fine, we'll, we'll take it. We knew that we were going to struggle. Um, against them and they, they were they were favourites for the competition at that time and yet they went over there turned in a fearless performance um John Lundstrom playing like a man you know reincarnated in terms of what he was capable of doing within that a wonderful goal from him and you're right about about Geo and obviously Adam is our tactics expert and stuff as well but the, the thing that really took me aback when we were looking at the, the the game at Ibrox was everybody had said I mean uh you know the guy who sits next to me at Ibrox has said look as long as we get to nil-nil at half time we're okay and then <laughs> we take the lead which again I don't think anyone was expecting then we go 2-1 down and I'm begging we get back to nil-nil at time if that's going to be a, a possibility but you do start to panic but then the manager came out and said well Actually we've got three different formations that we have trialed playing against them. Um albeit we'd probably seen one of them before we launched him obviously dropping back in as, as as part of a three. But he was set up for whatever scenario unfolded at that time. Um and that I think for me is where I started to get a probably a real injection of confidence about what Van Bronckhurst was capable of bringing into that job. Uh because again, like I say, we'd had some domestic issues. Um, prior to that, and I just think that it, it was just about us being able to try and and express ourselves on a stage that, again, like you say, I think a lot of people just just felt that Dortmund would speak bias, and then they would they would move on and probably go into dominate the tournament.
0: Adam, two things from that, um, and as as Cammy pointed out, you are rightly the the tactics man of of heart and hand. So, the couple of things I wanted your opinion on. Firstly, John Lundstrom. Um, I, I I began to to come into that team, played against Harps and and Hibs, and began to kind of dominate. How much did he change, um, from the the kind of outlook of of the Rangers set up, etc. And also, your thoughts on Giovanni's change at two one down at home, in in the home leg, in terms of Dortmund having all the momentum. The change he made to three at the back, Lindstrom going in, just completely killed them. Can you talk us through? those points for us
2: I think the first thing <clears throat> there is <clears throat> the 3-0 game at, at Parkhead was a bit of a um, rude awakening for Van Bront-Cost. It it sounds crazy now but going into that game with Kamara as the um so defensive midfielder and in a reborn in Arfield uh, as as your number eights <clears throat> is very very attacking that's not something that Gerard would ever have done um there's not a lot of pace and industry and, and tackling in there um which you you would probably need uh, in these type of games. two of them are obviously a lot um more attack minded um uh, and Arfield can't really cover the ground that that he used to um so looking back that seems very very strange as a set-up, and I think that was maybe a wake-up call for him, because pretty much 80-90% um, since then, we have played with two holding midfielders, uh, and it's been Jack and Lindstrom, and what he did there was, he sacrificed a winger, um, you remember when when Van Kors came in and we were told it was going to be one number six, the fullbacks would be a little bit deeper, he'd play two wingers and he'd have a, a focal point, point. Um, and, and he pretty much did that for a while um, Hadji was playing out wide for a bit, then Diallo came in for a, for a bit um, but he changed it after that game and he basically sacrificed the winger, he moved Scott Arfield up a, into that kind of inside right position um, and he played Jack and Lindstrom so what that gives you is that you probably lose a bit um, in terms of of attacking intent, but you make yourself more hard to beat in the middle because you've got those two defensive midfielders. He, he then elected to push the fullbacks on a little bit, and and it kind of became a little bit more of a well structured system. So I think that's the first piece, and I think that made us hard to beat, uh, if you want to call us that. Certainly, certainly defensively. Um, but then uh, against Dortmund at home, what he did then was was basically take that a little bit further. Um, and for anybody who's been listening to extra in the flagship, I think Lundstrom and Bassey are are the two that come to to the fore here, that ability to be able to switch between um, Lundstrom playing centre-back or or defensive midfielder, Bassey playing centre-half left centre-half, left um, wing-back left-back is is really useful for us, I think the flexibility of one or both of them being in the team means that, yes you're playing a three-at-the-back but it's a different kind of three-at-the-back I think when most people were talking about it before, it was, let's play Herlander, Balligan and, and Goldson uh, as three centre-halves and let's make ourselves hard to beat. It doesn't always work that way because in, in Scotland, I know this is th- about Europe, but in Scotland, those three playing, uh, it's kind of pointless. We don't need that. We're playing against one forward. However, in these type of games... If you've got a Bassi or a Lundstrom or both, as we've seen, playing in, in defence, it's it's a bit more attacking. You've got that base there, but both of them can step out. You see Bassi going on those mazy runs, you see Lundstrom doing it as well. Both can step out, both can pick a pass. They're kind of playing like midfielders or fullbacks, just in a different position. So the flexibility that, that gives is great. But certainly, um, that second half against um Dortmund, considering it was one of the first times we've done it, considering the magnitude of the game. Um, it was a very, very bold move for us, and that for me, that change, that single change, is probably the bedrock for this entire run. Just giving us that flexibility to just turn the screw or, or hold off and let an opponent kind of punch themselves out before before going for them um, on the counter. I think that has been the, the one crucial tactical uh, evolution that I would I would say has has helped us get to where we are now.
0: Cami said something which I really agree with. That move. Tactically, at that point, I don't think you can underestimate just how much Dortmund were on top. Not only did they, they went 2 one, Allen actually had a, a couple of straightforward, but but decent still standing saves that, that kept it at two one. And at that point, it was very much Dortmund in the ascendancy. That that move, tactically, um, to to kind of shut them down, changed the game massively. Rangers, you know, not only did lies most lately should have had a third goal which was very harshly chopped off by VAR but in terms of what Cameron said and, and, and giving you that belief that that positivity behind Giovanni van Bronckhurst, I think that's huge and something that has now come out which we'll come back to I think tactically that was a, a bit of a first masterstroke or in terms of the first very, this will maybe sound strange, I can't think of how definitely to, to describe it otherwise, but a very big publicly masterstroke where everybody paid attention to what he had done. So that was certainly good. Next up was, was Red Star. Again, you know, Rangers would come through that game 4-2. The, the home game was absolutely crazy. You know, Tavernier, and Morelos have, have scored within 15 minutes, but they've had two goals disallowed, then a, a magnificent penalty saved by Alan McGregor, which I've, I've I'll back this off to you now boys in, in, in terms of I think Alan McGregor's made nine penalty saves this was uh, one of the videos that were up most recently on social media this for me is his best penalty save for Rangers Cammy.
1: Yeah I think that's I think that's a perfectly fair shout um, I need to rewatch this game again but I'm sure it, it, it was it was either side of this penalty I can't remember exactly when but he also makes a magnificent save I'm sure down to his right hand side as well um, which I think happened just before this. I'll need to rewatch it. Uh, but I, t- I agree, Stevie. I, I totally agree, and I think that this is this has kind of been the yin and yang where you're seeing McGregor be able to pull out some of these incredible stops, that penalty save, and I don't think it's I don't think it's an exaggeration to be able to say that we had kind of ridden our luck a little bit with both of the disallowed goals. Now, I, I, I'm not saying for a single minute that you know the the, the win was. Unjustly um, given to because we we absolutely earned the right to be able to walk away from that game at three 0 But we I think we we could all confidently say if those goals are scored domestically. I think they stand, and thankfully for VAR they were correctly ruled offside. I, I mean it was a penalty. I've got no real doubt about that. There's nothing much you can say about that as well. That kind of where uh, you know that's the flip side of VAR with it as well. But I I think that it was a it was a tremendous. Penalty save that, looking back, not within the context of the game and where we were at the time and everything else as well, but again could prove uh, in retrospect to be, you know, one of the one of the defining points of this run.
0: And Adam, not only has he he kind of pulled it out of the bag with that penalty save, Rangers have, have had a strong performance at home, but we go away, lose a really poor goal after ten minutes um, from a corner, kind of mix up in the defence. Alan McGregor's then pulled out two really wonderful saves, Uh, one particularly his left hand, he tips over as the boy comes in onto his left foot. In the second half, there's a kind of whipped cross, which he manages to keep out, and then on the flip side, there's a shot which he kind of bobbles up, and the boy should put in the rebound, but Alan manages to get down. And then out of nowhere, almost perfect tactically, Ryan Kent springs that break with playing the lovely 1-2 with Glenn Kamara. Glenn manages to hold it up and plays it through almost similarly to something that we would see just last week in the semi-final. But that's almost tactically perfect. Now, I know that we we lost the game 2-1 with a very late penalty kick, which was, again, justly given. But in terms of tactically, um, you know, sitting in and absorbing that sucker punch break goal, you must have taking a lot of kind of joy from that type of goal.
2: <clears throat> Definitely. Um, also, Ryan Kent doesn't score very often and I'm a big advocate of um, how I don't feel like that's as big an issue as, as others when you think of A, what he does off the ball, um, what he provides and also the, the assists that he's been racking up very quietly since since Christmas. So Kent to get that goal I think was was quite pleasing because it looked like it was visibly annoying him. Um, for the weeks before that, he, he, I think he said he wasn't sure what he had to do to get a goal uh, in in one of the games. I think it might have been the previous game, actually. So for him to to get that was was good. Um, and yeah, McGregor's European form hasn't really matched his his domestic form this season. Um, has it? You think we mentioned there, Slavia, uh, Sparta Prague? Sorry, huge saves in that one. Um, I'm sure there were a couple in, in one of the other games as well uh, in the group stages. And then obviously you mentioned both both Red Star games. I think he has been excellent um in this one and as big a part of it uh, as some of the others when when you think about it um how crucial those have those have been so um he has been fantastic and I think he deserves um his his final appearance given he missed out in, in two thousand and eight. Um in terms of the tactical setup, yeah, that this was the the outlier, wasn't it really this round? Because we had the home game first and then the away game. So um it is Ignoring Dortmund because that's an absolute aberration, winning winning four two away. But if you look at the round of sixteen, quarterfinals, semi-finals as we've come on to, it's kind of what you would pray for, isn't it? Really, you you get a escape the away leg, whether it's first or second, with a, a narrow defeat um, at worst, and then you get a couple of goals or three goals in in each of the each of the home legs, which should be enough to see you through. It's one of those things you aim for ten points in the groups. Uh, as a kind of standard, that's what everyone wants to aim for. Aim for 40 points in the Premier League. The, this is the kind of textbook results that you need to get to to get through these. And we've not really had any surprises. There have been surprises within in terms of um, goals or chances or, or anything like that. But when you look at them, it's it's kind of textbook how you'd want to progress through. And I think this this one was the bedrock get the big win at home, nobody thought it was done by any stretch of the imagination uh, 3-0, particularly how dangerous they'd been in the offsides and Cami spot, and I think at least two of those um, are uh, are given uh, in Scotland, which would have been a, a different game completely, but this is what we have VAR for um, we get there with the, the 3-0 and we um, manage to escape the, the away leg um, unscathed, just about uh, and get us to at the quarters
1: I think, what's, I think what's interesting, sorry Stevie, just to cut into, because Adam's Adams on the money, right? But what's interesting about this is when this happens, when it's Atletico Madrid playing at the Etihad, all of a sudden it feels like as if that's absolutely the correct tactical approach, yet Rangers have done the same thing and got to the Euro, uh, Europa League final. And I'm not necessarily saying by being pragmatic, playing in away legs and just defending and doing all that kind of stuff. We've done that before and it got us to, to Manchester, but it's about being able to then look at each each leg in isolation, exactly as Adam's saying, where you're then saying, well our approach will be different at home and I mean Christ, I mean typically I mean now looking back on it it's great to say it because <laughs> you don't feel that confident at the time but Christ it just felt right, okay, within fifteen minutes when we're playing at Ibrox in a European league, if James Tavenier hasn't scored and somehow something is wrong. Whereas that's that's a positive play. That's us going out taking the game to them and not being afraid. And I think that that's why I'm sitting here just now feeling semi-confident about the final because the team have instilled that confidence in me by the performances at home.
0: I was going to quickly ask you both, is it controversial or is it fair to say that Red Star in this journey have caused Rangers the most problems in terms of clear-cut opportunities? Is that fair?
2: Yeah, I think it is fair. Um yeah. I would say so. Dortmund obviously scored uh, four goals, maybe just about on a par. But I think because we had that that volume of 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 goals and the big high from from the away leg, we maybe forget about some of the chances that that they had had. But I would say um, the away leg, and again, it's the second leg, so it's definitive. But I would say the away leg um, against Red Star is the is the most nervous I've been. So uh, yeah, I would go along with that.
1: I think as well as as that, I mean, as we've just mentioned there, and you've got to think about, you know, psychologically, for the Red Star players at Ibrox, you've scored what you think is a perfectly good goal, has been disallowed. Rangers have then taken the lead just after 10 minutes played. You've then scored a second goal that, let's face it, was a a pretty decent finish as well. That's been disallowed. Rangers then go 2-0 up and then you miss a penalty. So I think Red Star did cause us problems, but they also... I think once we got to about half-time, and as I say, they've they've created chances, but they just haven't paid off through one thing or another, it must just completely bust you. I mean, it must do. And I think that's exactly what you saw from them. Um, and again, we created those. We created those two opportunities. We had a, a wonderful save from the goalkeeper. We're not, we're, we weren't fluking our way through it.
0: No, absolutely not. And next up comes Braga and i'm not going to say it was a, it was a tie we all wanted but it was a tie certainly that that was mentioned it was a it was a game that i'm going to be honest with you see when we got this tie i'm starting to think that we should be winning this game and it's not based on so much having beat them before but i'm I'm getting close now, I'm starting to, whereas if we get beat by Dortmund, right, okay, fine, but now we're starting to get the quarterfinals, we're starting to get a wee bit closer, you're starting to want it, that's how I felt, nothing really happened away from home, we we were happy enough to get beat 1-0, I thought we were pretty dismal, there was no, no striker obviously, fashion was, that was when it was coined, the very famous phrase of, I, I don't know where it came from, but somebody said it was like a speedboat without a driver, and that was certainly, you know, we can laugh about it now, The home leg was magnificent. A couple of things I wanted to speak about. One is James Tavernier, and I'll get to him in a wee minute. But in terms of I grew up in Parma was a big one for me. It's always been my favourite Rangers game. This is close to being my favourite Rangers game at Ibrooks at that point that that I'd got to I thought we were magnificent straight from the get go. You know, we had big decisions, obviously they they end up with nine men and things like that. But Ibrooks was electric. It was just it was just the magnificent European performance that we, we've come to expect. All the highs and lows of them getting that eighty third minute header and, and things like that. But in terms of in terms of super Rangers European nights at Ibrook Stadium, this is up there with it's close to Parma, if not better in Parma than I've had so far. Cami?
1: Um I mean, it was it was a great atmosphere and we're lucky that we're sitting here talking about this because then I could say, right, well, as we'll come on to in terms of the semi-final, if it was beaten, it was beaten by a game that I think that most people are saying, you know, surpasses Kiev, surpasses Parma, surpasses Leeds, however you want to call it. I think the the looking back in this game, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, with 2-0 up and an extra man, I still felt like we were chasing the game a little bit. And then when Braga scored near the death, I think it was very interesting because we didn't we didn't fold in on ourselves. We didn't like the stadium didn't turn against the team. Nothing. Ha- we just said right, okay, that's fine. They've scored. We go into extra time. Obviously, everyone at that point, as as you know, things would work out, would think oh shit because we've got the uh, Scottish Cup semi final. And as a result of that, it'll take more legs out of the players. But I suppose most of us were also thinking that, saying, listen, we can't let this go to extra time because we've got a massive game coming up in four days. Then they score and it's like, oh, shit. And I've seen Ibrox and listen, we've all been in Ibrox. Let's not deny this. We've all been in Ibrox where things like that have happened and the, the atmosphere in the stadium turns very, very quickly. That did not happen against Braga. It was a resilience, I think, from the stands and also on the part from the players to say, "Okay, we've made this slightly harder than we probably need to, but we're still going to get there and we're still going to be able to produce it." So, whilst I don't, I think it was different to to what, we've, what we're about to talk about with the semi final. I think it was an opportunity that it could have went very differently, but we we absolutely did not allow that to happen. Um, and, and I think you know looking in it now in terms of where that sits at we probably could have made it easier for ourselves I think we could have been in a couple of chances a little bit more clinical uh, but by and large it's it's a case of you can't uh, disrespect, devalue, underestimate however you want to call it, a major European opponent on a major evening and let's not forget every single team that we've spoken about as much as they feared coming to Ibrox probably thought we just need to be able to there and get a result. Tav's goal within what was it, two minutes? completely negates what's happened across in Portugal. That's it, we're back on even keel and the game has still got basically the full 90 still to go. So it, it was a great atmosphere. Um, I was just, <laughs> I think from my heart uh, palpitations it would have been better if we'd managed the game slightly slightly easier on ourselves. Adam, your
0: favourite subject, James Tavernier. I look back on the Scottish Cup final back in 2002 and say that um, Barry Ferguson single-handedly took that game by the scruff of the neck and, and dragged Rangers to, you know, a, a very memorable Cup final victory. James Tavernier, I've always been of the opinion, and it's well documented, that we need, as a captain, you know, for when people have spoken about stats and Hall of Fame and things, I needed, for me, only personal choice, more trophies and things like that. Somebody said to me, "Have you seen a better right back at Rangers in your in your thirty eight years?" And I've got to be honest, no. And what's really impressed me with James Tavernier, not only in the quarter but also the semi final, is the his ability to go to a level above what I thought he was capable of and really drive Rangers home. We've spoke a lot about, you know, it's it's a default complaint from people: James Tavernier shouldn't be captain whenever anything goes wrong. I'll tell you right now and and you've been a great advocate of this. So, and we've always had, you know, we, we kind of lighthearted discussions, but I'll tell you right now, I don't think I can name a better right back at Rangers in terms of stats, in terms of what he's done. But not only that, James Tavernier has proven, not that he needed to, but has proven above and beyond all reproach that he is the man of this team and he has the ability to go above levels and, and, Produce magical moments.
2: Uh, yeah, you're you're preaching to the choir, but uh, uh, to me, uh, I just understand how people didn't see it before. <laughs> I'm not trying to claim that. that uh, I know all. It's just been very, very obvious since um, Gerard came in that he's in the top three players in the country, and there hasn't been any debate about it. And for me, the last two years, he's he's been the most important. Well, he's been the most important player in the country for me. Um, certainly last season. Then I would say, as far as you had in European, and as well, I'd say he's been the most important player too. Um, but over the four years of Gerard and Ivan Bronckhorst, he's been the number one. You could argue Morelos as well, absolutely for the goals, but I just think in terms of um everything overall, for me, um, he has been the most important. He's been the best player. He's the most consistent. He's the most available, which people kind of discount that as well. But the durability that we have with having goals and being there and and missing what less than. 20 games between them in, in nearly four seasons is just absolutely incredible um, you mentioned him stepping up, he steps up all the time but it's 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 one of these things that is just taken for granted now um, if he goes out and has a game where, where he gets an assist, gets a goal people just think well that's just par for the course and it's that expectation thing, he gets held to a, a standard um, and then defensively a mistake happens and it's like oh, I don't know, I think it's time for me time for him to move on when people make mistakes. When you play in this kind of way and we've said this before but when when he's a mega attacking right back as he was in the early years and he's got Rob Kean covering him, um, I'm not sure what you want him to do. You want him just to sit at the halfway line and then we don't score any goals when Tavon Morelos were were basically carrying the team under under Murray. I, I don't know what people are expecting there. He has to go and attack because he was the only one capable of attacking consistently. Um, The problem was behind him, people covering. Um, Yes, he gets caught out. Yes, he can sleep. Yes, he makes mistakes. But if you watch, it's the mistakes are when he tries to force something because he's trying to go and get something done or trying to push the team on. Um, that is leadership. And I think now we're seeing, like I said, certainly over the last two years, just quite a calmness, and, and people look to him as as the senior, one of the senior members of of the team. Um, he, he he carries himself in a in a different way, um, and he's developing more and more. We spoke last season about the Galatasaray game, which for me, I thought he dragged us through that game as well. At, at parts, obviously, he gets that back post goal, but then we start to see his impact in the box and these open play goals starting then continuing all the way through that season, um, and into this season that. Those positions that he takes up, um, the goal that he scored against Galatasaray, the goal that he scored against um, Leipzig, the goal that he almost scored away in Leipzig, which was pretty much a carbon copy that when Kent dragged the ball across, it's just par for the course now. He's been doing that for a couple of years, but what we're seeing is because we've got that base behind him, we've got people covering, we've got your Jacks, your Lundstroms, your Goldsons, even Arfield when he's covering, able to give that that base and, and support them in a way that um gets the best out of him. I think that's what we're that's what we're seeing and it's it's ridiculous that he's he starts a ridiculous anyway. What is 80 something goals and and over a hundred assists in, in however many years it is is just incredible. Um and people take it for granted. But the fact that he's a top scorer in the Europa League um is just mind blowing. Um, and I still there are still people who who don't rate him. I got one after someone saying after the Celtic game. I don't understand what you see in this this player, and I I don't understand what you. I, I can't understand what you see. I'm absolutely baffled that anybody still has still has doubts. Um, I think people like to set their people like to set their stall out early with an opinion and be the first person to have that opinion, and then they go very very quiet when things go the other way. And I probably do the same, but I, I would challenge anybody to say that over the piece. Um, he's delivered more bad moments than than good moments. I don't think you can. I think the good are far outweighing the bad. Um, at, at this point, um, and I think you're spot on. I think Gary Stevens is the Gary Stevens is the obvious one that that people talk about. But I just think the physicality that Tavernier's got, as well as the the numbers, the assists, um, and the goals, is just never going to be beaten. I don't think for a for a Rangers fullback, there will be many, many, many Rangers wingers and forwards that won't beat that um, uh, as well. So I think sometimes you just need to say he's in a very, very special moment in in these games. And yeah, for me, hundred percent the best I've I've seen going to the games.
0: I think the big, the biggest thing for me, and the final kind of point I'll, I'll make on this before we move on, is that when you get a special captain somebody like Barry Ferguson, somebody like, um, you know, your, your John Greggs, etc., is that ability to have defining moments, um, big, huge defining moments. And not only that, to single-handedly grab games and drive them on. Whether or not it's taken me a wee bit to waking up to it or whatever, then fine, I, I can I get that. But I watched these games, Braga, Leipzig, which we're about to come on to, and that was James Tavernier. And that is maybe, I'll be the first to admit it, maybe maybe being too harsh or, or whatever or, or not seeing it clearly in, in other games. But the biggest of big stages, he's he's completely delivered. So all credit to him, absolutely all credit to him. But I thought it was worthy of, of making that point in terms of he's went above to bits that I've not thought. And, and for me, these type of games are, are kind of... We, we, what I've mentioned, that ability to 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 really captain and, and drive on makes him that special
1: player in my eyes. But I think it's just to, just to, I know we're about to come on to, no, to light the League guy. as well. But well, uh, there's two things for me. First of all, uh, James Tavernier is a Hall of Famer. There is zero doubt in my. In fact, th- there's there's guys in the Hall of Fame that, as far as I'm concerned, Tav has already surpassed. He he walks into that Hall of Fame. Right now, I don't care what happens next week. He's already proven himself many times over. And I suppose probably just to compliment Adam's point there about people not seeing things, how the hell are we not getting bids in for this guy? It it completely befuddles me that people are not, you know, like breaking down our door to come in to uh, put in bids for him. He's done this on, on one of the largest stages he possibly can. And yet, at the same point, I hear very little noise around him. And I, I, I thank whatever deity you want to 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 respect and the fact that no one has been able to recognise this. So as much as we talk about when Adam probably had some of that conversation with some people about, well, why, you not, why do you not get it? Those people are not alone. I don't understand as to why people are not snapping this guy up because he would be a major force in any team that he walks into. And we're incredibly fortunate to have him at Ibrox.
0: Yeah, that's something that we've discussed before, Adam and I, in terms of Hall of Fame and stuff like that. And again, it goes back to what I first said. For me, you know, it's got got to be winners. Winners in terms of our Hall of Fame and stuff like that. But I know that's not the the criteria. But just to finally say, um, anyone that, that wants James Tavenier in the Hall of Fame, I'm right there with you. And I think that's because of what I've seen in the last couple of months. It's almost like in a a silly way, it's almost like I've said to him, prove it to me. And he he's went to levels that I've never thought he's capable of. And I know that's a, a kind of very self thingy to say, but it's almost like that's happened. He's went, right then, I'll just prove you wrong. And he's went massively and nothing but respect for that. And I know that the Hall of Fame shouldn't be decided on a couple of games over the last couple of months, but it's almost like I've opened my eyes to it. So that's on me. But, all respect to James Tavernier. for For me, his his performance in that Braga game, especially, was was Ferguson esque in terms of what I've seen growing up and grabbing stuff by the neck. But next up was Leipzig, um, away from home. I actually went to this one um, guest of thirty two red, which I'm very thankful for. Undone by a moment of of genius, um, by a, a a volley in the last five minutes, very much like Braga. There was a difference though. There was a very, very confident Rangers team. Even when seen them in the airport, um, Scotty Arfield, Stephen Davis will turn them over. And that was, that just shone through at Ibrooks. where a night where I said that Braga was as big as Parma. This probably goes past both of them in terms of what we witnessed. Just a magical night. The noise. James Tavernier opens the scoring, and then we see a wonderful, wonderful goal. I've watched this goal so many times. The way Glenn Camara rolls that in, the way it moves, the way the, the whole move to win it back, move it around was just. I think that's one of these goals that's understated and will be understated for us. Then in Kunku, with a a, a lovely volley a minute after Alan McGregor makes a, a top class save, and then John Lundstrom steps up and the journey which he started all the way back against Alish Kirk getting red carded and you know a difficult start for him is ended by Ibrook Stadium worshipping him and him scoring the goal that takes us to the Europa League final. Gentlemen that was just last week for us we're still all on a massive massive high. Cami, I don't even know how to ask you to describe it but talk us through the game and then Adam try and I, I'm still living in
1: that moment I think um I think when you look at the away leg and how we perform within that and I thought that we've been very scrappy in terms of being able to try and piece a team together which by and large due to, to I mean obviously injuries with Kamar Roof and what have you and who the hell is going to play up front and you know, we had that against Celtic, obviously. So it's very much a kind of idea of well, we're just gonna have to start to try things and and taking it from there. Um, the first leg for me felt very much like uh, we we've 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 done this before. We can go across there, and I suppose the real the real takeaway for me, Stevie, was we had to get beaten by a piece of quality, and that's really important. And you can see the team were pissed off to lose, obviously, and to concede that. I understand all of that, right? I get that. But I think in their in the post match and the comments that came out after the game and the and they can I think the, the general sense that I got out the back of that was the players knew that Leipzig had, had got lucky. Uh and I say lucky in terms of the result. The goal was magnificent. I'm not saying for a single minute it wasn't. But by and large, they deserved to get something out the back of that. So it was all about the performance. It was about instilling confidence within that. Do we get that? You know, for we're, we're 3-0 down and we've got a mountain to climb back at Ibrox. No, of course not. But the way how we went out and conducted it, even though we lost the game, I think still talked about the performance. And then, you know, you get to Ibrox. You get to an Ibrox that, you know, uh, 30 to 60 minutes beforehand is 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 electric, we obviously lost a, a club icon immediately prior to it, which I think supercharged the atmosphere, it supercharged the fans, and it certainly did with the players. Um and then, you know, Tav steps up and and I, I want to kind of say something about this before because I think this is one area that definitely Adam and I agree on when we talk about people criticising specific players and by that I mean Ryan Kent because everyone talks about Goals that you should get, finish to get, blah, blah blah. Have you? Glenn Commander does superbly well for the first goal in terms of being able to use some key strength, right? So let's not get away from that. Kent continues to drive it, and Kent, it's a brilliant cross, uh, right across the right across the dance floor to get to to Tav at the back uh, the back post. It, it, Tav is moving, and the ball is is literally on a plate for him. The ball in from Kent is absolutely phenomenal. Then we move on to as you just mentioned there, Stevie. Obviously, the the, the great work to, by Scott Wright just to be able to drop it off to Kamara and Kamara's had his his criticism this season as well. A totally, you know, I, I I don't think we can we can revise where he's had poor games and think, well, you know, maybe I was a bit too harsh on him or whatever. He's 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 not played well at times. Other times he's absolutely turned up, and this was a game that Glenn Kamara absolutely turned up, and the finish was absolutely sublime. And unlike. What happened with Braga? Where we're two goals up with, you know, a fairly solid lead, played well, etc. Unlike Braga, where I felt we were chasing it, I just, I just felt we were in total control at this point. When in cuckoo scores, uh, with twenty minutes to go, I have no concern whatsoever that potentially this was going to slip away from us. And I just felt at that point it was a matter of time. And I mean, it's it's Lindstrom. I mean, what more can you say about the guy? Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. um And probably like you boys, I've watched the the post match highlights, uh seeing Alan McGregor, Scott Arfield, singing along with the rest of Ibrox about John Lundstrom being the best on earth just shows you what this team think about this guy and obviously what all of us think about him as well. The, uh, I mean, the guy is reborn uh, without a, a shadow of a doubt. We were phenomenal um, as recording this last Thursday absolutely phenomenal and uh, it, the best atmosphere I've ever experienced an Ibrox without a shadow of a doubt
0: Adam remember that time we seen John Lundstrom straight after the semi-final which he scored the winner to get into the Europa League final and we gave him a wee hug
2: I literally, we literally ran and nearly jumped on him yes I absolutely do remember that
0: just a perfect ending to what was a, a great night? Sum up your feelings on on that second leg. As as, as Tammy said, and it's almost impossible. But I still feel like I'm living on such a high from that.
2: Yes, yeah, I still feel like it's it's just right there. I'm like, why do I have to sum up my feelings on it? I feel like I'm still I'm still in it. But um, yeah, it was obviously quite similar to Braga in terms of both both the results. Um, we had to be a little bit more restrained on this one. I think me, Martin, and David said on. On the flagship, they are a good team. Um, I wasn't massively impressed with them. In in Leipzig, obviously, we played a bit more defensively. We we delivered a bit of a Gerard away result, I would say. Um, in that one. Um, we could have had the goal, as we said, with, with Kent dragging, dragging that across. If Tavernier had gambled at the back post, I think he'd have got there, as he did um, in the home leg. But it was really our only, our only chance. Um, 1-0 was was probably just about fair, but it was a pretty disciplined performance. But I didn't see much from them that would, was terrifying me. Um, obviously, they knock it about quite well, but they just felt like a team that... Um, couldn't quite cope with um, a team that defends well, which is obviously a very a very German thing. So I wasn't massively concerned. However, um, they had a couple of players back for, for this game. Kevin Campbell being, being one of the main ones um, who I maybe was a little bit concerned about. Um, but still, this atmosphere is just so strange just now. We've mentioned a few times on pods that Braga, Dortmund and Red Star, for me, are pretty close to going right into the top five in terms of atmospheres. Um, Something happens. Uh, it, it, I can't really put a finger on it, but you, you do start to just believe that there's a charm um, there. Um, before the game, I was nervous about the occasion before before the game. Absolutely, but I wasn't nervous about the team. I made this point on what was it? I can't remember. Extra, I think it probably was that you're going into that game with Bassi Lindstrom at centre back. Scott Wright playing a midfield to a Jack and Kamara, and nobody really cared. Like this time last year, there would have been riots if, if that was, maybe not last year, maybe the year before, there would have been riots if, if that was there because we would have thought um, down to the bare bones were this and that. The noise has just disappeared. The team are just in a moment where. Everybody is behind them. Everybody knows what we need to do, and people were believing that we would get there. And I think the game played out in in that way. We got the the two goals, at which um, spooked them. The manager said after the game. After the game, it absolutely spooked them at that point, and no wonder because. The gantry was shaking. You've seen the BT Sport camera um, that that was posted, which is obviously a little bit higher up. But the gantry was shaking. There was people jumping in the press box when we scored at the end. It was absolute bedlam. And that view that we've got at the press, you can obviously see down to the, the enclosure bouncing. You can see up the main stand and you can see all the other um, stands just jumping for, for joy it was incredible Um, in that moment where, where the goal goes and I think I started welling up at 2-0 just because we'd got to that point where I thought right that's us in front and that's us going for going for it now let's see how things go, let's get to half time but as soon as that goal went in I just I didn't know what to do I, I, I thought that was it we, obviously there's a fear, they get the corners there's this, there's that happening when, when Tav nearly slid off the park I had a heart attack but um. Other than that, that goal goes in. Especially when it's Lundstrom it's just one of those things you think, right? This is this has happened. There's no way that this can't happen. And when that full time whistle went, I think a listener tweeted me saying he looked up to the press box and I was welling up. Martin was sitting down with his head in his hands, and David was singing, "Um, the Blue Sea brooks, I think it was. And that pretty much summed up. It was just chaos everywhere. People not really knowing where to look. People being delighted. People just being in an absolute state of disbelief. Um when that song comes on uh, I'm feeling it, it, it again it's just a special thing and for this one um, as well I just can't explain it I've said this a few times it's probably becoming a cliche but it genuinely was one of those out-of-body experiences that you just can't really figure out what is happening but you just know it's one of the best things in the world
0: and here we are 18th of May 2022 the Ramon Sanchez Pure One. Stadium in Seville, Intranc Frankfurt versus Rangers. Intract are a good side. We know they're a good side. They've beaten some, some quality teams. Went to Barcelona and won. They, they've beaten West Ham. It feels like there's a bit of destiny behind Rangers. 150th anniversary. 50 years since Barcelona. The losses that we've incurred this year um, to the great Walter Smith and, and the great Jimmy Bale. It just feels like everything is pointed towards probably the greatest achievement in the club's history. And that's not to downplay 72 or anything that's happened before. There's a part of me that doesn't want to think about it because of the massive, massive points of not only the glory and the prestige, but the financial, the Champions League, everything that will come with this moment. This is just a big, not only is it a, a, a huge, huge match, but it's a magnificent achievement to be there. I have to ask you both to try and sum this up as we if we come to the end of this podcast. Not only your excitement as we started the podcast with it, but just your overall thoughts on this journey, your overall thoughts on where we are, your overall thoughts on Giovanni van Bronckhurst, everything about this moment and, and where we are. I can't tell you how unbelievably proud I am, the team and, and the efforts they made, I didn't think they were capable of it. And that's probably not a great thing to say, but that's made their achievement even more massive. And not because I didn't believe in them. I've spoke all year about this being, you know, this team building a legacy on top of 55, and and 55 shouldn't have been their defining moment. But in terms of Europe being, you know, heavily slanted towards the the superpowers and super leagues, etc., we are not one of them. So to be where we are, to have this in touching distance, Manchester was hard, the end of the game, you know, everything about it, this time it feels like, it feels like there's destiny for us and that's that's something I'm going to cling on to. Adam, the impossible question, but sum up this run, sum up where you are the now, Giovanni van Bronckhurst. anything you want to say in regards to this European run, this is yours. Um
2: I think we're past the stage where we're splitting out splitting out domestic and, and European form. I think he's in a pretty a pretty decent place here. I think we've got the bones of a squad for next year that I think most people are happy with, which we probably couldn't have said even six weeks ago. I think quite a lot of people were getting to the point where the majority of the squad could could go. I think we're now at the stage where we know the, the kind of older players that we'd want to leave um maybe some of the fringe players that we think we, sh- we should let go uh, and some of the players that are obviously well documented with um contracts running down or or are in their prime for for selling um so I think we know there's there's going to be a big change in the summer but it's maybe not as massive as people would have would have wanted to be 6 8 weeks ago so from that side I think it deserves great credit the two semi final wins have um bought time as is, is the wrong thing but have have given them that assurance because he's went to the well uh, and he's won. Um, if you think even the quarter final as well, that setback to for Braga to bring it back and for us to then go and do the business in extra time, extra time again in the semi final against Celtic and then the setback on Thursday night to win. So that that shows the team are fighting for him. Shows he's got um, maybe the personality that some were starting to doubt because he is such a nice, calm guy. Um, but he does have that personality there. I think there's a steel there that um, he can get things done. Um, the tactical changes for me are are very important. I think we're we're showing that adaptability that maybe people didn't see or didn't think was possible last year, uh, and that's undoubtedly getting us places that that we want to go. So for me, um, I'm feeling confident uh, in where we are just now. I think Duo always deserved um a summer transfer window. I think that will be big in terms of his his future and what he can go on and do. But for right now, I think. Uh, I'm delighted with how things have been going this run has been beyond my wildest dreams since we got through um since we got through the group stages it's just been fantastic um those eight games if you take them in isolation uh, are probably or certainly the happiest I've been uh, in a european stage ever um in the the kind of 30 years I've been going to games so um from that he deserves huge credit and looking at it on paper yes we don't have iBrooks and we mentioned that there we don't have that as a one off game but looking at it on paper and from what i've seen of frankfurt we've beaten better teams in this run um you could probably put them at maybe just a le- maybe a level above braga maybe par with red star if we're looking at it kind of high level but um the league table shows they're they're nowhere near um the two german teams that we've already beaten so when you balance it up on on that without doing any kind of lower level analysis etc when you balance it up on that way i think it's a huge huge chance for us to go and take this step which will just surpass everyone's wildest expectations and i can't even sum up what that will feel like, to be honest. I'm not even going to try uh, an attempt at what we have just now is um out with really my, my abilities in terms of, of summing up, but if we go and do that step next week, I, I don't think you'll you probably won't even hear me on the network for a week. I'll be stuck in Spain somewhere. Um but um it'll be absolutely worth it.
0: Cami, how do you put into words this run, the manager, etc.?
1: I mean it's it's nothing short of phenomenal. I, I do believe, and I really do mean this, that it will be the greatest achievement in the club's history. Because uh, I think I said this in a couple of shows prior that we are not invited to this party, Stevie. We are not we are not welcome at this party. the 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 the, <laughs> the party is set so that we don't get a close to a sniff of the door. And now what we've done is we've kicked the door in. We've taken over the DJ decks. We've cracked open the kegs. We're now running it. And that's because we deserve to be there. I think it's different. It's interesting because for some of the younger um, podders I've been speaking to recently who don't really remember Manchester and don't really remember the how Manchester developed and how it unfurled and all the rest of it, the key difference is that I, I think for me, it only, I mean, and again, I, I don't know, if people listening to this will feel the same, but it felt real the minute after the Novo penalty. That's when all of a sudden it just hit you like a ton of bricks, that you were in a European final. This time around, it's very much an idea of, well, we'll put one team to the sword. And it doesn't matter who they are. And I know that there's been the VT going around from um, RTV about Connor Goldson coming out and saying, you know, I don't care who they are, I don't care what the name is, they're not as good as us, etc. And And as the kids would say, inject that into my veins. Because we talked before about how fractured we've been with regards to significant injuries uh, to the first 11 and how we've had to kind a of step into the playing squad. What you're talking about here is a is a team cohesion that believes fundamentally that we can do this. And you've seen results and performances home and away that, that fully demonstrate that, even when we've lost. As we've discussed it, even when we've lost, We've still shown that belief, and I think that the most important thing that you can look at now, more than anything else, is we we have to remove ourselves from any peripheral nonsense, and we've shown a maturity that that, that allows us to understand that we won't win the league, but we now have bigger fish to fry, and whilst they don't want to make this all about them, they are terrified that we will win this because, in actual fact, although they won't admit it publicly. They're scared that we can do it because we can do it, because we've beaten, dare I say it, better teams in the run-up to the team that we're about to play in the final. That being said, the final will be its own, it, 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 its own particular dynamic. Um, however, I've got massive faith in the fact that this group of players, the manager, his staff, everybody at the club, are all in absolute tandem in terms of what they want to be able to, to achieve out the back of this. Um, I I think that I I'm still over the belief that a a large large piece of surgery has to happen across the team in the summer. I think that we've we've got to be able to look at how we can manage resources and how we can be able to try and do that, and that's a conversation for another time. Because really, what you're talking about from next season is competing in a number of fronts, but doing so in a consistency which we've probably lacked across the board when Van Bronckhurst has come in. Um. But he needs time, he needs time to be able to try and do that, which is why talk of him being sacked if he lost against Celtic in the semi final was ridiculous. But that all being said, um this this I, I I I don't I don't know how to put into words what winning in Seville will mean to all of us, and to what it'll mean to to, to the club that, like I say, has more or less been playing a rigged game against UEFA about being able to try and take over one of its tournaments. And for us to be able to go in and win it, I mean, it will, it's beyond era-defining. I can't even think of the words in terms of being able to try and describe how massive that will be. We will talk about this to grandchildren, to generations that follow that as well. And I'm just so eternally grateful that, even if, you know, we aren't able to get into the stadium together, we'll all be together to enjoy that moment. I think it's going to be absolutely phenomenal.
0: Adam, thank you for joining us. One more step to to take for the club.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.
1: And Cami. Always a pleasure, mate. Thank you both. Um great conversation. If anything else, it's just increased my excitement for what's about to go on and glory awaits.
0: And that's us. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking about this. Rangers are in a a European final. They've made us dream. Let's all do it together and take that next step. This has been Rangers Corner. Thanks for listening.